The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, He is risen. He is risen indeed. What a great day to celebrate the rising of Christ from the dead. Thank you so much for joining us here at Word of Grace this Easter. If it's your first time here, we are sure glad that you have come to worship with us today. My name is Derek Armstrong. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Grace. I also want to say welcome to all of you who are worshiping with us out in our commons area. We just um, released that and kind of kind of uh, started that this weekend, and we're really excited about that opportunity. So for those of you who are joining and worshiping with us out in the commons, you're, uh, we're glad you're here today as well. I want today to be different for you. I want this Easter to be different for you. Traditions are good, but transformations are better. Traditions are good, but transformations are better. If you're here today to observe tradition, that's good. But I've been praying for you that you would have a life-altering transformation. Don't let that scare you because I don't mean anything weird by that. I just simply mean that my prayer would be that today, this Easter, would mark a positive, definitive, memorable moment in your life that you would always remember, where you made a decision on Easter weekend 2018 at Word of Grace, where your heart and your life found new purpose, new direction, new passion, new vision, and that's been my prayer for you this Easter that it would be different. And so, with that being said, I want us to go to Luke chapter 22. And as you're flipping over to Luke chapter 22, if you have your Bible today, I want to give you the setup of Luke 22. Jesus in Luke 22 was at the point to where He was being arrested and being led to ultimately where He was going to die. And up until that point, He had had people following Him called His disciples people who had made a commitment, a devotion to follow Jesus. And one of these disciples in particular was named Peter. Peter was the guy that liked to sit in the very front row. He was the guy that liked to sit in the first chair of the class. He was the guy that if a question was asked, he was the first to raise his hand. He was the guy that if there was a task to be done, he wanted to go do it and do it with all of his heart. He was adamantly following Jesus. As a matter of fact, one time Jesus was with His disciples on an island, and on this island where they were, uh, Jesus asked the question, who are people saying that I am? And the disciples said, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist brought back from the dead, or maybe Elijah or Elisha, one of the prophets reincarnated. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, that's great and all, but who do you say that I am? And Peter raises his hand first. Peter the aggressive, passionate, adamant follower of Jesus, he says, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, that's right. He said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Simon. He said, no, Peter, this is something that my, my, my Father in heaven has shown you that has been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. And then when Jesus gets arrested, Peter's not having any of that. He pulls out his sword and he cuts off the ear of a soldier. Now, I don't know either he was a really good aim or bad aim. I'm not sure. But he lops the guy's ear off. And Jesus picks up the soldier's ear that's arresting him, 
puts it back and heals it. And he says, no, Peter, this is the stuff I've been telling you guys was going to happen. I told you guys I, that I was going to be put to death. I'm the Messiah. You know who I am and you know what I've come to do. But Peter wasn't having that. No, 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 you're not going to, you're not going to take Jesus away. Peter was willing to fight for Jesus. Peter was a successful fisherman. He had a successful fishing business. And the Bible says that he forsook his nets. He left his nets when Jesus says, you won't be catching fish anymore, but now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And he left the business to go and follow Jesus. He knew how to follow Jesus really well. He knew how to fight for Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. And he was very adamantly and passionately following Jesus. But then Jesus makes a prediction of what Peter's going to do. And he gives a prophetic word to Peter that he didn't like. Even though Jesus would be arrested, carried off, Peter said, I'm going to follow you forever. And he said, well, Peter, as a matter of fact, when I get arrested and people start talking bad about me, you're actually going to deny me three times. And Peter says, oh, no, uh-uh, not me. Wrong guy. Maybe you were talking about one of the other disciples, maybe that John guy. Maybe Matthew, he was a tax collector. He's kind of, you know, but not me, not Peter, not first chair, not the guy that raises his hand, not the guy with the sword. No, 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 not me. I'll fight for you, Jesus. I'll follow you. I left my, my business to follow you. I will not deny you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're actually going to do it three times, not me. And in Luke chapter 22 and verse 54, Scripture says this, They seized Jesus, and they led him away, and they brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, they sat down together, and Peter sat down among them. And a servant girl, seeing Peter sit, uh, sit and the light, she began to look closely at him. And then she went up to him and said, This man was with Jesus. He denied it. He said, woman, I, I don't know him. And yet a little later else, someone saw him and said, you, you're one of them. You are following Jesus. And again, Peter says, man, I am not. And then an interval of about an hour happens, and another person insisted, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And then Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Oh. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Following Jesus confronts us with counting the cost of convenience. Peter had made all of these very strong decisions and very passion-filled decisions to follow Jesus, but he had a limit. And Peter had drawn a line of how far he had followed Jesus, although he told Jesus that there was no such line and it did not exist. Jesus knew that a line existed. And Jesus was exposing the line of how far Peter was willing to go. He said, yeah, when the pressure's on, when it's most inconvenient for you to follow me, you're actually going to deny me. And Peter swore it off. He said, no, I'm not going to. And then we see in Scripture that he did. And then Jesus looks at him afterwards. Oh, man, 
Can you feel the weight of those words as we read them? Can you feel the weight of Jesus looking at Peter, the one who had seen who he was, who had abandoned his fishing business to follow Jesus, the one who had fought for Jesus? The problem with Peter was that he was willing to let Jesus die on the cross for him. He just wasn't willing to die for Jesus. He was willing to go so far with Jesus, and he wanted Jesus to go far, but he wouldn't, wasn't willing to go all the way up until death. In other words, he wasn't willing to give Jesus everything. Peter had not died to himself because he was still trying to preserve himself. So many, so many of us follow Jesus when it's convenient. We follow Jesus when we need something. We follow Jesus when we're in turmoil or chaos. But then when something inconvenient happens in our lives that would cause us to have to make a choice to say no to something in order to say yes to Jesus, we say, not today, because it's not very convenient for me to say yes right now. You were following him, right? Oh, no, you got me mixed up with somebody else. I mean, it's nighttime. I might look like the guy, but no, it wasn't me. And we want to conveniently follow him. We want a convenient Christianity Folks, can I tell you today that no such thing as a convenient Christianity exists? There's no such thing because it inconveniences. Following Christ inconveniences our selfishness and our flesh. It inconveniences us quite a great deal. That's why we have to be willing to take up our cross. We have to be willing to die to ourselves in order to follow Jesus. We will fight for Jesus. We will follow Jesus, but then we hit our limit. And that's about as far as I'll go. And then we're confronted with something and we make a choice. And we choose to go the selfish route instead of continuing to follow Jesus even when it's inconvenient. When I was a kid, my mom would always lead our family in a morning devotional, especially as I got older. And when I was in seventh grade, my mom decided to homeschool us. And so from seventh grade until twelfth grade, I was homeschooled. So every morning, my mom would have a family devotion where she would open up Scripture, and we would go through a devotion, and then my mom, she can play the piano, and so she would lead us in a song. And this was cool, and this was great. And I loved having family devotions for the most part until I had a friend spend the night. Like one of my buddies from my baseball team would spend the night, and I would try to bargain with mom the night before and say, hey, mom, my buddy's coming over tomorrow. And I know you're aware of this, so is it cool if we, like, skip devotions tomorrow? I mean, at least the singing part, you know. Um, and then mom would ask me and my sister to pray for different things. I said, can we skip maybe the praying part and just kind of pray, you know, quietly to ourselves in another room on another day? <laughs> Preferably a day when my friend's not over the house. And my mom, she was relentless. She would say, nope. He can join in with us. Oh, boy. And my sister, who's five years younger than me, took that as her opportunity to sing louder that day, of course, because that's how younger siblings are. And she made sure to sing loud and proud that day and pray extra long and extra hard and extra loud just so she could get one up on me. And mom, she was unrelenting. And man, was that inconvenient for me. Because as a teenager, Man, my pride got in the way, and I was more concerned in that moment about what my friend thought about me than I was really doing what I had always done and done joyfully in times past. It wasn't like it was always this big burden, things that I had enjoyed doing, but all of a sudden it was inconvenient, and, and my line got exposed, the line I wasn't willing to cross. 
The thing that I said, Jesus, I'll follow you and I'll live for you and I'll serve you, but this is kind of inconvenient. Can you give me a pass on this one? And Jesus told Peter, you have a line, and Peter thought he didn't have a line. He thought he was all in, but he wasn't as all in as he thought he was. Because Jesus said in John 15 and 13, no greater love has anyone than this, that they would lay down their lives for their friends. Peter thought he loved Jesus, but Jesus said, listen, there's no greater love than if you're willing to go all the way, to lay down your life. That's the greatest love of all, is that self-sacrificing love. And Peter wasn't willing to go that far with Jesus, but he thought he was. He thought he had made the commitment. He thought he had done all the right things. He thought he had proved to Jesus his commitment through all of the things he had done and left and, and, and the way that he served and walked with Jesus. I mean, he was right there with Jesus. And we can sit by and judge and say, oh, if I was Peter and if I was with him, I would not have denied him. I would be willing to die for my Lord. Would we have? I think we would have been just like Peter if we're honest with ourselves because we all have a line. Peter's line just got exposed and we all get to read about it. Nobody gets to read in the Bible our line. We get to read about Peter's. But we see that each one of us have this line, and we see that each one of us have this limit. But folks, there is no convenient Christianity. Jesus wants it all. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. He forgave, and He still forgives, even when we don't fully follow. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful that He's not expecting us to do everything just perfect every single time, and then if we mess up, then we're out of the club. No, that's not how it works. Even when we're weak, even when our line gets exposed, much like Peter's weaknesses, Jesus did not disqualify Peter because of his denial. Instead, he loved him, he restored him, and he forgave him, and then came a transformation. Let's look at that in the book of John, chapter 21. John chapter 21. Now, this is after Jesus has risen from the grave. He had already died, crucified, buried, and He had risen. And in John chapter 21, let's read in verse 1, this is what happens next. After this, Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed Himself in this way. Simon, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to those, I'm going to go fishing. And they said, yeah, we'll go with you. So they went out in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus yells out to them from the shore to the boat, children, have you caught any fish? And they said, no. He said, why don't you cast your net on the right side of the boat and you're going to find some? So they said, what the heck, we'll try it. They cast their nets on the right side of the boat, and they had so many fish in their net, Scripture says that they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped of it for work, and then threw himself into the sea. So he gets dressed to jump out of the boat, because that's what we do. We get dressed, and then he jumped into the sea, and the other disciples, they stayed in the boat, and they drug the net into the boat, and then they started making their way to shore. They weren't that far away. Scripture says about 100 yards off. Verse 9, 
When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard, and he hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, he took the bread and gave it to them and with the fish. And now this was the third time Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15, check this out. When they had finished breakfast, because you eat fish for breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon Peter, he looks at him, he says, yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. He said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, by this time, like Peter's grieve, Scripture says, over this question. The first time he asked, he said, yes, you know I love you. The second time he asked, he thought, well, maybe you didn't hear me. I'll say it louder. And the third time, he's going, I know he heard me. Now, why is he asking me again? Scripture says Peter was grieved, and he says, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. And then Jesus says something very interesting in verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. You called the shots. You were the one in the driver's seat. You were the one in control. He said, but listen, when you, were, when you are old, you're going to stretch out your hands and someone else is going to stretch out your arms and carry you somewhere you don't want to go. Jesus was prophesying to Peter about the kind of death that he was going to die. And after this, he looked at Peter and he says, now follow me. Peter had already been following Jesus. For the past three and a half years, Peter had dedicated his life and his career to following Jesus. And now after Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, Jesus is one more time beckoning Peter to come and to follow. But he's saying, it's going to cost you something, Peter. Guess what? Everything. It's going to cost you everything because there's going to come a time where you are going to be stretched out. In other words, he was letting Peter know he was going to be crucified. You're going to die on a cross and people are going to carry you where you don't want to go. You're going to die for me. Now, are you still willing to do this? Has your commitment level changed at this point? Come follow me. Peter, the man who had denied him three times, says, I don't know the man, I don't know the man, I don't know the man, was asked by Jesus, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He was confronted with something. And we can see in Scripture that that was a defining moment that transformed Peter in a way that walking with Jesus for three and a half years had not quite hit home yet. Because three and a half years of walking with Jesus had impacted Peter's life, yes, but not to the point where he was willing to forsake everything because he denied him when the pressure was on. But now Jesus said, you're going to have an opportunity once again where the pressure is going to be on and someone's going to take you somewhere you don't want to go. And you're going to have an opportunity more than likely to deny me yet again, or you can die for me. Are you willing to die for me? Come follow me. 
Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this fish? Do you love me more than this career? Do you love me more than security? Do you love me more than your success? Do you love me more than popularity? Are you willing to erase the line and say, Lord, I have no line. I am 100% completely yours. Are you willing to do that, Peter? Because if the answer is yes, then you have a responsibility, and I want you to step into that responsibility and erase the line. And Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? Am I worth it? We may stumble in our commitment to Jesus. We may choose the convenient route. We may be willing to fight for Jesus and follow Jesus on our terms when it's convenient. But the thing that changed with Peter was he had now encountered the risen Christ His commitment went deeper to the point of being willing to die for Jesus because something had to change. This wasn't like years and years past. This was a moment of just a few days from the man who had denied Jesus three times now was willing to die for him. Why weren't you willing to die before, Peter? Why weren't you willing to to say, yes, I was one of the men with Jesus and I follow him? Why are you, why why did you say no then, but yet you're saying yes now? What changed? What changed, folks, was he had had a transforming encounter with the risen Lord. He had had an encounter with him to where now he understood who Jesus was. It wasn't just something where he raised his hand and got the answer right. It wasn't just about him going and fighting for Jesus and trying to do good things with Jesus. Now he got it. He understood. He woke up and saw Jesus for who he was. And I could imagine that now Peter is beginning to connect the dots with all of the things Jesus has said before. Because before this moment, Peter had just been a really good note taker in church. He had taken a lot of really good notes, but he hadn't applied them at the level that really required self-sacrifice. He had a book full of notes of all the good things Jesus had said. But now he began to understand when Jesus said, don't fear what man can do unto you because they can kill the body but not the soul. Now all of a sudden that began to make sense to him. He began to now understand where Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. He began to become alive to that scripture as to where before it was just something up here in his head, just something that he knew before. But now it became a conviction that helped him to step into the role that God had called him to step into, to step into the position God wanted him to step into, to have the impact that God wanted him to have, because now he was convicted and convinced that Jesus is worth it. Traditions are good, but transformations are better. Traditions are good, but transformations are better. Peter did die for Jesus. Church history says that Peter died on a cross upside down being crucified because he said he was not worthy to die in the same manner as Christ. So he requested that they put the cross upside down as they crucified Peter. The same man who denied him when the heat was on now says, I'm not even worthy to die like this. Put me upside down. Something changed in the process. Something changed from knowing Jesus and following Jesus to being committed and seeing the value of Christ, that He's worth everything. Something shifted in His life to where He understood, take up your cross and follow me. 
He was willing to abandon fishing. He was willing to fight for Jesus. But Peter, do you love me more than these? Jesus was asking, am I worth it? Am I worth abandoning everything? Maybe today at church you came out of tradition. You didn't come expecting to be transformed. You didn't put on your Easter outfit today, come to church and say, I'm going to Easter service at Word of Grace to be transformed. You just said, I'm going because it's a family tradition. I'm going because my family normally goes to church or maybe we just try to assemble at church, especially around Easter time, because of family. And listen, if you're here today out of tradition, good, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're upholding tradition. But maybe you didn't come to to expect a transformation today. Maybe you came today because you have committed to follow Jesus, but you've been conveniently following Him when it makes sense, when it fits in your schedule, but you still try to hold on to former friends, former activities, former priorities, and you haven't really sold out. Maybe today you're here and you would be willing to fight for Jesus. Hey, maybe you have fought for Jesus. Maybe you fought for good causes in the name of Jesus. But you haven't died to yourself. You justify the things that you hold on to because of the good you do. You say, oh, at least I'm not as bad as my brother or sister or mother or father or neighbor or a co-worker and I'm doing pretty good, so I, I'm better than this person or that person, so that makes me a, a good person, right? And we justify the things we hold on to instead of dying to ourselves. We hold on to the things that we, we feel like because of the good things we've done. Look at all the good things I've done, Jesus. Look at, I fought for you. I've followed you. Look at what I've forsaken. And Jesus is saying, yeah, but you've got a line still. You've still got a line. You've got a limit. You only go so far. Jesus is saying, take up your cross and follow me. Die to yourself daily. Die to yourself to where you say, Jesus, I am yours. Whatever you say, have your way. However you want it, Lord, have your way. I believe that the resurrected, risen Jesus wants to confront you today, just like he confronted Peter. He isn't confronting you out of guilt because he didn't confront Peter out of guilt. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus didn't wag his finger in Peter's face. Shouldn't have denied me. Extra fish for Andrew and James, but not for Peter. Because you, you denied me. No, he didn't wag his finger in his face. He didn't even mention it, did he? He didn't even mention it. He didn't say, hey, buddy, we got to talk about this denying me thing. No, he didn't even bring it up. He just asked him, do you love me more than these? Have you now seen my value? Have you now seen that I'm worth it? That's what Jesus wanted to know from Peter. Do you get it now? Now that you've seen the risen Lord, the resurrected Lord, now that you've seen I am who I said I am, now that you've seen me rise from the grave, now that you've seen the fact that I was crucified on your behalf, but now... You see that I'm still here loving you, wanting to feed you, wanting to take care of you, wanting to, wanting to love you in this moment when you thought I was going to shame you. Because couldn't you imagine that when Peter realized it was Jesus on the shore, that he was like, oh, it's Jesus. And then on the inside he went, oh, it's Jesus. I'm excited, but I don't know how I'm going to be received. And Jesus wanted to know, do you love me? 
Maybe you're here today and you feel like all oh, of this, this, this weight of shame and condemnation and Jesus is saying, I'm not about that. In Christ there is now no more condemnation. I, I just want you to know, are you willing to see me for who I am and that I'm worth it. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to wag my finger in your face or, or point my finger at you and, and shame you. I just want you to be confronted today with the fact of do you love me more than the thing that you have held on to? Maybe you've given 99.9% .9 of your life to Christ and you think that's enough and he's like, no, it's not. It's all or nothing. He wants everything, folks, not just a portion, not just once a week, not just a certain amount of time. He's asking, just like he asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love Jesus more than money? Do you love Jesus more than addiction? Do you love Jesus more than family? Do you love Jesus more than career? Do you love Jesus more than your schedule? Do you love Jesus more than your popularity? Do you love Jesus more than your business? Do you love Jesus more than the things you've been willing to go in debt in order to get? Do you love Jesus more than your social status? Do you love Jesus more than the house you live in or want to live in or the goal you want to achieve in this life is Jesus at the center because he's asking you today just like he asked Peter am I worth it do you love me more than these or are you just playing around and you've got this line and you're trying to convince me and yourself and others you don't have a line but you've got a line do you love me more than these Am I worth it is what I believe Jesus was asking Peter and what he's still asking us today. Your tradition is good, but transformation is better. So I want us to take some time and do business with God this morning. If you need prayer, I want to ask our prayer team to come up right now, and I want to make them available. If you need prayer for anything, I don't care what it is. I don't care what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what is happening, whatever the case may be. I want you just to be able to know that you can come forward and receive prayer. If you have never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, if you have never made a decision to put Him first place in your life, if you now are realizing that you have had a line and you're like, no, I want to make a fresh commitment and say, I'm doing away with the line and I want to make a full commitment, a full-on commitment to Jesus, would you come today? If you've been casually, conveniently following Jesus, would you come today and allow someone to pray with you? Maybe. You just need to make an altar right where you're at or maybe you need to come up to the front. Maybe you need to kneel down in your chair. I don't care what you do, how you do it. This isn't a popularity contest. We're not here to impress one another. This is about you making a decision. Yes, Jesus, you're worth it. I want us to do business with God today. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to pray with you today. Will you come? If you're making a commitment to God today, we have I Said Yes to God cards that are in the back. They're on the tables. They're also in your bulletin. It's a perforated card. You can fill it out and you can tear it out and you can take it to guest services after church or you can put it in our drop box right outside of our offices in a little silver box. You'll see it. It says drop box right out here to my left by the WOG Kids check-in, the big green wall. Let us know so we can be praying for you, so we can help you in your next steps. If you're making a commitment to God to erase the line today, to abandon everything to follow Jesus, to be like Peter after Jesus said, will you be willing to die for me? Come follow me. We will be able to say yes, Lord. But for you to say yes to something, guess what? You got to say no to something else. You got to say no to something else. 
If you're thinking, oh, I'm a good person, I've done enough good deeds, I've already done all this stuff, you're missing the point because you're trying to polish your trophies and God is not interested in your trophies. God's not interested. He wants your heart. And you know, stop trying to justify, stop trying to rationalize. It doesn't matter what you need prayer for today, whether it's salvation, whether it's coming to Christ, whether it's rededicating your life to Christ, renewing your commitment to Christ, whatever the case may be. Out there in the commons area, if you need to come in here and do business with God and let someone pray with you, please don't worry about it. Just come in here. If you're watching this online, do business with God. Do business with God as we allow ourselves to be vulnerable to come and allow Jesus to speak to us. Would you stand this morning? We're going to open up these altars. Would you come?
Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before Him. Oh, bow down. For He Easter Resurrection Sunday and we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your grace we thank you for erasing the line in people's lives today because they have had an encounter with the risen resurrected Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior we pray that you would continue to do what only you can do in the hearts and lives of people today we love you, Jesus. We thank you for it. Well, thank you for joining us this Easter here at Word of Grace, man. My prayer is that this wouldn't just be a time where you go, yeah, that was a good Easter service. My prayer would be that you would have had an encounter with God to where you would say, this was a transformational day for me, a milestone, a mark in the road of your journey of life where you look back and you can say that on April 1st, 2018, you made a decision to erase the line. You made a decision to abandon everything because you have seen that today that Jesus is worth it, that he's worth it. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.